Hey, this is Brianna Johnson. Thank you for tuning in to Own Your Truth. You're currently listening to episode 21. The title of today's podcast is Built on Money, the Fall of U.S. Commercialism. I would like to apologize for my absence last week. I'm going through transitions just like so many other people around the world. So this last week has been crazy. I have two sons that are going to be going away to college, so I'm helping them with that transition. One of the colleges has put every single orientation into an online meeting, and a lot of those are required for the student or the parent or both. So that happened. And then I've recently started doing narrations for audiobooks. So I moved my entire apartment around just so that I could create a recording studio in one of my closets. So that happened. And then uh, with Bahati Tea Company, for those of you who don't know, I am the co-owner and the tea master behind the blends at Bahati Tea Company. And we just launched three brand new tea recipes this week. And you can find all of those at www.bahatiteacompany.com under the new tab on under products. There's a, a setting there for that. And so I would encourage all of you to do that. We also had several great reviewers that have given us great reviews on Instagram, on YouTube as well. And I've, I've tried to incorporate those on the website. So if you haven't been over there yet, I highly encourage you to go over, see what's new, see what other people are saying about the tea blends, and pick out a few of your own to try. The costs are really, really reasonable for gourmet loose leaf tea blends. So give them a try, refer us to a friend, buy some for family. I'm hoping that my absence this last week also allowed some of you to catch up on some of the podcasts that you had missed. I noticed that the numbers on a few of the episodes had gone up. Um, We are now being broadcast in, well, on the platforms. Our viewers are now from the United States, but then we also have Ireland, Canada, Jamaica and Germany that I know of that have been showing up on the radar. So welcome to everyone outside of the U.S., but also my U.S. listeners as well. If you'd like more information about me, you can view my personal website at IamBriannaJohnson.com. Brianna is B-R-I-A-N-A. You can also find my email there and send me a note. Tell me what you think about the podcast so far or give suggestions on topics that you would like me to address. Let's go ahead and get our dialogue started for today. I was looking at, you know, the economic state of affairs that we're in currently in the United States. There are numerous articles out that are talking about how only a third of, I'm sorry, how one third of Americans missed their July housing payment. That's not good. That means that one out of three people that you know are having problems paying their housing bill. And in addition to that, July and and August were the months that loan deferments were now coming to an end. So if you had a loan and the company who housed the loan was giving some sort of a deferment payment, or a deferment option, then you had the option to not pay that. Most of the time when that happens, it's it's no payment, but with additional interest. So in my case, it's no payment, but with a penalty because those payments are, are due and uh, interest has incurred on that as well. So even though it may have looked like a great idea by 
postponing those payments, even if it was necessary, a lot of times there is some sort of a penalty in the form of interest or some other fee that they want to tack on for that. So we're in July and housing is is now becoming a problem. Paying bills is still a problem. Our unemployment benefits have now decreased. They've gone back to what they were. So there's no additional funds being put into that. And then on top of that, there's a lot of businesses who were forced to completely shut down because they could not handle uh, the long periods of time where they were forced to shut their doors due to the COVID pandemic. So in turn, that's allowed for less job opportunities around the United States. It raises questions regarding affordable housing. It raises questions regarding health care, because in most cases, if you have no job, you have no health care and you can't afford it. Even if you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, your cost for health insurance in most cases is higher than it is if you're under a large company, for example, who has this blanket health care policy for their employees. And then I saw an economist uh, article that they wrote saying that the hardships that the United States are facing, it will take us decades, not months, not years, decades to recover from because of the large, broad devastation that um, has inherently come from the, the COVID scare. And a couple of things, you know, come to my mind when, when we're dealing with this. Yes, we have inherently some problems in our country, the way that it was structured. In fact, there's there's too many to even go into. So let's focus just on the economic, the financial aspect of the United States. We are built on commercialism, capitalism. This is what spurs the growth in our country and our government. And in my opinion, what that has done innately over you know, the decades that we've implemented that into our country is that it has put people last and the almighty dollar first. And this isn't going to be a religious sermon, but this is going to be something based on common sense. Okay, let's talk briefly here about the small business loans that just went out, right? Now, there were no stipulations on who could apply for those loans, and there were no mandatory regulations on how that money was going to be spent. So what ended up happening is that the small businesses who needed the money for themselves to carry on business-wise and to pay their employees, they never got any of that money because the large companies who already had connections in different banks, in different banking institutions, called up their lenders immediately and said, hey, I want that money. So they were given that money. Do you know where the money went? It went into the pockets of the CEOs and the stockholders. It never made it down to the employees. It never made it down to the people who really needed it. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the commercialism. We have practices and policies and laws in place that protect the people at the top. But very, very rarely do the people at the bottom ever see any of that money. Even talking about... The, the small amount of tax relief that, that we got, right? Or the little bit of boost in unemployment. That is pennies, half pennies, quarter pennies to the life and normalcy, I'm going to say, of someone who is corporate America and super, super wealthy. 
Um, I also saw an article recently about, and I don't remember who said this, so I can't quote it exactly, but it was basically claiming that billionaires should not be responsible for bailing out the U.S. economy. And I'm thinking you wouldn't be a billionaire if it weren't for the U.S. economy. And all I'm seeing here are corporations and even our government who constantly undermine the people at the bottom. And they can collect all the money that they want, but it does no good when the money is no longer in circulation. When they hold all of the dollars, but the people at the bottom can't support their services, can't support the purchase of their products, then their money ends up being inherently worthless. And that's what I think they don't understand. But I think that that message is going to start becoming more and more clear to them because of the way things are going, right? If no one can pay their mortgage and apartment fees, then the banks are going to start to suffer. And if the banks start to go under, they're going to ask for bailout money. If you were here in 2008, you know how well that worked last time because it's the same problem we just faced with the corporations getting bailout money, so to speak, or loan money. The banks ended up using that money for whatever they wanted, and it didn't trickle down to helping out anyone but themselves. What I find really, really funny is our belief in this invisible monetary system that we struggle to survive just to attain. Most of the money is now digital. The U.S. dollar isn't actually worth 100 pennies. It's, it's a fraction of that. And I feel like our pursuit of that almighty dollar is even more sci-fi in retrospect than the pandemic. And that's personally how I feel because I feel like it's crazier for us to strive for this invisible entity that is supposed to rule our lives than it is for us to come face to face with a life and death threatening situation. And I've been thinking about that a lot uh, regarding our state of affairs here in the United States and our economy. And I want to know what the long-term solution is because there's all these Band-Aid fixes, right? We've got bailouts here. We've got loan deferment there. We've got small business loans and all kinds of other things. But none of those are going to help long-term. What happens when all of these so-called benefits have run their course. What is the long-term fix? We know that housing in the United States is incredibly high. We know our taxes can be somewhat unrealistic, especially depending on where you live state by state. We know that the loan deferments don't really work because initially what that does is create more debt for us down the road that we still can't pay back. If the unemployment benefits decrease but there are no jobs... How long will that last? No job, no health care. We don't have a universal health care here in the United States. And for years, ever since I've been born, there has been this debate about why we cannot make health care universal for all and why it can't be, you know, something that is free or paid through our taxes. So now we're in this position where we're going to have a lot of people that are homeless. We're going to have a lot of people who are unemployed. We're going to have a lot of people who can't afford health care. What do you do when one-third of the population falls into those categories? And that's something that we need to start asking ourselves. 
what do we do to reform the system we have now so that we're not putting families out on the street? What do we do now to reform our systems so that we don't have this problem the next time there's a pandemic? Because ladies and gentlemen, this will not be the only time this happens. And if we don't fix the situations that we have now and we keep running against the same issues, it's like running into a brick wall. In my opinion, healthcare should be free. I think higher education should also be free. I know that sounds crazy, right? Guess what? Other countries have done it. And there are those other countries that have done it that are also evaluated higher in their academics and intellectual standings in the United States. Crazy. In addition to that, um, there's been talk about reducing the work week to only four days a week because of productivity levels, because of stress, because of health concerns, because of the almighty dollar, all of which would benefit from a four-day work week. So there's an option. How about if we lower the, the cost of housing or maybe even lower the cost for construction? Why do we tax building materials if building is considered an essential part of our existence? I think now is a good time, too, to talk about universal basic health care, or I'm sorry, universal basic income. Because if we're really concerned about this invisible monetary system that we have going, it shouldn't matter if you're giving that money to people who help support that system. By providing someone with a basic income, it means they're going to constantly be putting things back into this system, this commercialism, this capitalism that's been generated and is the rule, the law in which we live by. So if you want us to continue to perpetuate that illusion, then we have to have the resources to do that. So in my opinion, it's either create an environment that doesn't cost so much to live Or if you want all of that to stay the same, you have to create the situation where people can still manage to afford that. Cost of wages did not go up for the people who were risking their lives daily as essential workers. That didn't happen. They were in a situation where they were risking their health and the health of their family, yet they were expected to report to work every day. And if they didn't, they were just out of a job. There was no additional compensation for that. And if you think about that, largely the United States, not every state, but most of the states, has policies in place where they can fire you for any reason. They don't have to have anything in writing. They don't have to give you a lot of notice. It's you're there one day and you're gone the next. There's no security in that. I just read a Reddit post about a guy in, I want to say it was Maine. His employer is now making it mandatory that in order to work there, you have to be a vegan or a vegetarian. Last time I checked, your diet was not included under the equal opportunity employment laws. So I don't know how they're going to enforce that, but I also don't know that anyone can stop them at this point. And a lot of this for me is is common sense. It's like, why would you do that to your employees? (laughs) Why would you forcibly put on them a lifestyle change? I think a lot of this has to do with people taking advantage of the situation. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And that comes back to responsibility of power. Employers used to see their employees as people that they were stewards over, that they had a responsibility for. And that doesn't happen anymore. Employees are expendable because they know there will be someone else to take their place. And that has largely hurt our economy 
because that means that they don't have to raise their rates for hourly employment and they don't necessarily have to care much about their employees, their health, their safety, their concerns. And that's why you see so many people before the pandemic that had two or three jobs just to try to pay for the cost of living. That's not living, ladies and gentlemen. That's not living. That's indentured servitude. And that's where we were before the pandemic. My question is, where are we going to be after this? Because regardless of the pandemic, we've created our, for ourselves a crisis. The pandemic is what exposed it. But we have so many problems that they're not going to be fixed. And I can tell you, I don't have to be a psychic. I don't have to be an economist. I can tell you things will never go back to the way they were before. And it's my belief that they're not meant to. But then the problem arises with this new information and this new dichotomy. What do we do so that we can all rise, so that we all survive, so that we're not just chasing after this invisible dollar entity that we had been for so long? How do we get past that mindset to something that is more sustainable? Because honestly, the capitalism, the only people that that was sustaining was the very wealthy. That wasn't sustaining me and my family. That wasn't sustaining my neighbors. That wasn't sustaining the state that I lived in. But the people who owned the large car dealerships, yeah, it sustained them and their families. So they could go on multiple vacations. So they could own multiple homes. So they could have recreational vehicles. There are days I'm lucky if my car even starts. They're not concerned about my problems. They're not concerned about my family's problems. And now that they've built their empires on the backs of the poor, they can say it's not the billionaire's job to help out the U.S. economy when we're the ones who put them in that position. So yes, we are the low man on the totem pole, and we did do this and we created this living hell, but it is time to undo that. We have a lot of problems economically that we can't just be passive about and go, oh, well, it'll get fixed when everything goes back to normal. It'll be fixed when they find a vaccine. It'll be fixed when the pandemic has ran its course and all the borders are open again and we can travel. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. All that's doing is pushing the problems to the back burner. It's saying we don't have to address these now, but these problems are here. They are now. It's not some futuristic scenario that we can just wish away. It's here. The solutions, however, those are what seem to be eluding us because a lot of us don't want to come to terms with the fact that everything has changed drastically and it's going to take some very drastic decisions in order to fix this. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to live in an economy where one third of my neighbors are in tent cities in the street. That would make me really, really uncomfortable. But do you know what makes me feel better about where we are now? The hope that we're going to find a way for all of us to prevent that from happening so that we don't get to this place where people are living out of tents 
and begging for food and begging for water and having a hard time keeping themselves and their families clean and healthy where people are dying in the streets. Because we are just around the corner from that. If we don't actually address the problems and find some hardcore solutions, and I've listed a few Right now, I know that everyone has an opinion about everything, but we have got to come to the table and we have got to start talking because this is going to be starting, well, let's see, usually takes about three months um, for homes to start to go towards the foreclosure process if you've fallen in default. So let's see, that's August, September, October, right around the holidays, we could start seeing families lose their homes. We don't have... 10 years to fix this problem. We don't have 10 months to fix this problem. And again, like I said, if there are so many people that have such a hard time digesting the fact that we shouldn't have to pay for this or we shouldn't have to pay for that, then again, the easiest way to circumnavigate that is to do a universal basic wage for everyone. And The first thing that I know we will have to combat is the people who are like, oh, well, I don't believe in just giving people handouts. What you're not understanding is that it's a bailout for the entire United States economy. It has nothing to do with just bailing out the poor people because it's going to be the wealthy, honestly, that are going to have the hardest time when they find out that none of the stuff that they have or own actually means anything anymore. And guess what will probably happen at that point? They're going to try to jump ship. They're going to try to leave the United States and the situation that they created, and they're going to try to move to another country. So they will not only not contribute to the economy, but they're going to take the money and the wealth that they've gained, and they're going to move someplace else instead of using that money to help out here. It's almost like creating a cesspool and then realizing that it's completely inhabitable and vacating to a tropical island. And some people believe that that's happening with our our global health as well, as far as our environment is concerned. And so I get that. I feel like it's it's kind of the same scenario. It's kind of like a, a pump and dump where everybody builds up these economic solutions that end up hurting our environment. But it's all for the sake of money, right? As long as we're making the money, who cares if we're polluting our oceans? Who cares if we're making species extinct. Who cares? Because we have the money. But again, you can only chop off the legs of the people underneath you or the environment underneath you for so long before it has this detrimental effect to your own life being. I'm not sure when they're going to wake up and see that. Some of them may go to their grave believing that the contrary is true. I don't know. But I do know that collectively as a whole, the majority of us, the 90, the 90 and the 9, we are the ones who have to make the change. It's not the 1%. It's not the 2%. It's us down here. We're in the war zone. We're at ground zero. This is our home. This is our freedoms. This is our livelihood. What are we doing to make sure that tomorrow is sustainable? We're in a dangerous situation, people. A dangerous one. I would encourage you to look for opportunities locally to have conversations about these topics uh, regarding healthcare, wages, employment, 
um, taxes, housing, join those conversations. It might be that you go just to bring some truth to the conversation because basing our decisions on hopes of an economic rebound at this point aren't just futile, they're unresponsible, completely and utterly unresponsible because they don't address the dire needs that the populace has right now. We cannot afford to go back into the mindless zombie mentality we had before the pandemic and just assume that everything is going to be fine. Even if you are fortunate enough to have a well-paying job right now and you can make all of your bills, all of your payments, this still is your responsibility. This lies squarely on your shoulders just as much as it does mine and everyone else's. Because remember what I said before, Silence is saying something. If you don't get involved in these conversations, you will be guilty of the one-third of the population who goes homeless, who's living in tent cities, who goes unprovided for. You cannot take in one-third of the population into your home and care for them, but you can help enact systems to protect them before it gets to that point. I think we're going to have to leave it there for today, even though... If you can't tell I'm really passionate about this right now because I feel like this is one of the most pressing things going on in our U.S. world right now, and it's not something that can really be glossed over, even though a lot of people are doing that right now. Again, please visit my website at IamBriannaJohnson.com. Visit the tea website. Order some teas, man, uh, at BahatiTeaCompany.com. Subscribe, share, be a sustainer, be a supporter. If you can do that, do that so that I can continue joining you every day and sharing the stuff that's going on in the world. Our job now is to create awareness and perpetuate change. We can't do that if we're silent. We've got to talk. So get in contact with me, support all those great things, and I will see you or talk to you manana. Have a great one. Until then, own your truth.